Good evening, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. I'm talking to you tonight about Uncommon Valor, Part 2. The war has begun. Has it really? The war against the family has been in motion for the last hundred years. John Dewey, you remember, the Dewey Decimal System, Herbert Mann, Antonio Gramsci, and others have been undermining the family, targeting children, while we have been, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. We were naive. I mean, it was America, the great democracy. World War II united us, and we rallied for the effort, for the cause. After the war, life was good. Betty Crocker helped women in the kitchen. Black and white television was introduced to society. And we watched Walter Cronkite, a trusted voice, bring the news into our living rooms every night. Our guard was down. The economy was booming. It was a delightful time to be alive. But our guard was down. We weren't paying attention. The church was its own little community that didn't mix with politics. Slowly, the church began to lose its influence and its voice. And slowly, there began a decline, ever so slow. And here we are now, where a war has been unleashed against the family and children like we've never seen. It's been a whirlwind. It seemed to come out of nowhere. A whirlwind of hell-inspired indoctrination that has infiltrated elementary schools all the way up to colleges. These are wicked strategies exposing young children in school to sexual filth and pornography. Teaching them that transgender and homosexual lifestyles are normal has confused their God-given identities. No child should be trying to figure out, am I a boy or am I a girl? When we are not taught that we are a beautiful creation of God's defined hand, it allows the enemy, the evil one, to manipulate a person or a child to define who they are. Women are and have been a target with the attack on the fruit of a woman's womb. Planned parenthood was constructed by Satan himself. Black Lives Matter, started by a black woman by the name of Patrice Cullors, was schooled in Marxism by the Weather Underground founder, Eric Mann. You remember the Weather Underground well, they blew up the policeman's statue in Chicago, which was dedicated to the fallen policeman. That was October 1969. The statue was rebuilt, and the Weather Underground blew it up again in October of 1970. Patrice Collars developed the platform for the Black Lives Matter, and one of the reasons for their existence was to deconstruct the nuclear family. 
Yes, tear it apart and tear it down and remove it from society. Now, you fellows out there, you don't get off the hook. The progressive agenda and their Marxist ideologies have blurred the lines between men and women. Men are told that masculinity is a modern-day evil, especially white men. White men, you are the root of all evil. You are the reason that recently black men have been physically attacking Asian people. Yes, you heard that correct. White men are the reason, and white supremacy, the reason why black men have been physically attacking Asian people. You see, you're considered the lowest of human forms. What I've just stated is being perpetrated in all parts of our society, even in the corporate elites. Women arise. Men arise. It's time for uncommon valor. God is calling you to fight with courage and boldness. Judges, chapter 6, is the story of a man named Gideon. Now, Judges is a book in the Bible, just in case you weren't aware. Gideon was threshing wheat when the angel of the Lord came to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon replied, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? But the angel of the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Then Gideon replied, Oh, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The angel's response was, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. Gideon, unfortunately, needed all kinds of signs and used fleeces to make sure that this was God telling him to do what he said. When Gideon finally accepted the challenge, 32,000 men came alongside him to help him fight. The Lord stepped in and said, oh, that's too many men. And Israel will have said that they saved the day instead of giving me the glory. So he whittled the army down to 10,000 men. And in the end, Gideon's army went from 32,000 men to 300 men. Now, if you were the commander of this army and you started out with 32,000 men, your confidence would be pretty strong. Do you think your confidence would wane if the Lord orchestrated circumstances, which he did in Gideon's case, and you were left with 300 men to fight? I think every leader would have had those kind of thoughts. But we have to remember what the angel of the Lord said to Gideon right at the beginning. He said, the Lord is with you. 
And the angel also said, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. When the Lord speaks to us and gives us his assurance that he is with us and fighting on our behalf, we must hold those words fast in our heart. Gideon was struggling with the obvious facts. Yes, his clan was the weakest. And yes, he was the least likely to do anything connected to valor. The angel did call Gideon, though, you mighty man of valor. You see, the Lord saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. Gideon perceived this as an impossible task. And many times, God puts us in impossible situations so that he can say, Look what I can do with a person who doesn't have the right pedigree, the right education, the right finances, the right inroads. Now, this is what Gideon faced with 300 men. Picture this. The Bible says that the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Ooh, would you agree that this is an intimidating situation? Actually, an overwhelming situation. Gideon was outnumbered by thousands and thousands. The Lord gave Gideon a crazy strategy. I believe if the Lord had given this strategy to General Dwight David Eisenhower for the D-Day invasion on June 6, 1944, he would have said, this can't be from the Lord. Gideon's 300 men had a ram's horn trumpet, a shofar in one hand, and a clay jar with a torch in it. They surrounded the enemy at midnight, blew their shofars, and broke their clay jars holding the blazing torches in their left hand, and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. This caused the enemy to get in a panic and to fight against each other. Those who were not killed fled to places far away. Oh, but Gideon went after them, calling on other Israeli tribes to assist. And they captured two Midianite generals and killed them. Uncommon valor. But Gideon didn't stop there. Oh, no, the story isn't over. Gideon crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. And his men, it was a long journey. His men were exhausted. But they continued to chase the enemy. Now, he stopped in two different towns. His men were hungry, and he was trying to get food for them. But neither leaders of these two cities would provide him food because their excuse was he hadn't caught the two Midianite kings yet. In the meantime, as he's spending time stopping at these cities, the two kings, 
Zeba, and Zalmuna were in Karkor with a remnant of 15,000 warriors. That was all that remained of the Allied armies of the East because 120,000 had already been killed. Gideon circled around, taking the Midianite army by surprise. The two kings fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured all their warriors. Gideon had asked his young son to kill the two kings, but the young son declined. So Gideon himself killed the two kings, Ziba and Zalmunna. Uncommon valor. Out of the ordinary, rare, unusual great courage in the face of danger. That was Gideon. I have met some very brave men in my lifetime, one of which was my father. My father, George, was a tall man, six foot three, with large, strong hands. Sometimes I would challenge him to hand wrestle with me. Oh my goodness, it was laughable. He knew it was too, but he humored me. My dad was a John Wayne kind of guy. Oh, tough and strong. And few dared to fight him because he really was so strong. I heard many stories about how strong he was. And he would throw men to the ground. But as strong as he was in muscular strength, he was the same in his convictions. He didn't like seeing injustice. He stood strong for things he believed in, never backing down, never backing down, even though there was pressure from his bosses to do differently. He had a strong, he had strong moral convictions, and to be honest, I never heard him tell a lie. Never. That's not to say that he didn't, but I can say that I never heard it. And his word was his bond. I have to say, I am rather sickened by our society that is trying to emasculate men. Society has even verbally castrated men. They are afraid to say anything for fear of backlash. But I'm telling you, men, God has given you a unique position in the family. You are the head, period. God has given you the responsibility to care for and protect your family. You see, men, you are valuable to God. You are precious to God. And whether you're married or not, have children or not, you, my friend, are a mighty man of valor. Do not let the cancel culture crowd or the woke crazy crowd dictate who you are and what God has put inside of you. Be unfettered by all the labels of the white supremacists. And as Christian men, 
It's time to purify your hearts and your minds. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Strong words from our brother Paul the Apostle. The orders are given to men and women. Imitate God. Walk in love. Remove from your life unclean and filthy things. No foolish talking. No foul language. No dirty jokes. Not coveting what other people have. Just give thanks. And don't be lured into these ungodly actions and words by others who want to bring you to their level. Just don't go there. Now, the book of Daniel reveals a different kind of man. Daniel didn't fight in military battles. His was a different kind of battle. Now, I don't perceive Daniel as the John Wayne type. I see him more as my husband was. Wise, learned, scholarly, a man of principle. The Bible says of Daniel and his friends, they were young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand and who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Daniel was refined and dignified, strong in his convictions. The Bible says that in all matters of wisdom and understanding, about which the king examined he and his friends, that the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. The Lord elevated Daniel after a series of events to a position in the kingdom of one of three governors in the whole entire kingdom under Darius. He distinguished himself above the other governors and satraps because the Bible says that there was an excellent spirit in him, so much so that the king gave thought to setting Daniel over the whole realm. 
Now, his counterparts weren't so pleased about that, and they were very jealous. So they concocted a scheme to get Daniel in trouble because they could find no charge or fault in him because Daniel was faithful. The Bible says there was no error or fault found in him. So these evil men talked King Darius into issuing a decree that any person who consulted any god or man other than the king would be cast into the den of lions. Did that stop this man of valor? Of course not. (laughs) No, not in any way. Daniel continued to go to his upper room, kneel down three times a day, and pray and give give thanks before his God, as was his custom, from since his early days. The evil men gathered together and went and found Daniel praying to his God. So they went and told the king and reminded the king of the decree he had signed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den. The following morning, the king went into the lion's den and cried out to Daniel, saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel replied, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. When Daniel was removed from the lion's den, there was no injury found on him because he believed in his God. Uncommon valor. You see, Daniel didn't go to the den kicking and screaming that this was unjust. He didn't yell, I didn't do anything. You can't put me in there. I'm an innocent man. I'm innocent. Oh, no. No, there was no drama. He bravely walked with the king's men to the den. He was secure in his identity, and he was secure in his faith in God. Daniel was not moved or shaken by any of it, and he came out without a scratch. Daniel was not a man of compromise. His character was stellar. He was a man of uncommon valor, rare and unusual courage. Men, I'm speaking to you this evening. This indeed is a time for you to rise up in your God-given identity and purpose. It's a time to walk with uncommon valor. Stop being intimidated by the ugly voices trying to make you feel guilty for being white and being male. You were made fearfully and wonderfully, all men, regardless of color. 
All Christian men, regardless of race or culture, need to speak in opposition to these ungodly voices that slash men on a constant daily basis. Men, put your nose to the grind. Start reading your Bible. Have prayer uh, every day with your wife. Teach your children godly principles and have evening devotions with them. Turn off that TV. Your family is more important. And guess what? The enemy certainly understands the game plan. So it's time for you to get in the game. Do what you know to be right in the sight of God. Now, last week, I ran out of time to talk to you about the fund to help the Jewish people in Ukraine. See, the Bible prophesies that the Jews will all return to their homeland, to Israel. They call it making Aliyah. And there have been 600 Jews already returned on their way to Israel from the Ukraine. Kenneth Copeland Ministries, the 700 Club, Operation Blessing, and Samaritan's Purse, that's uh, Franklin Graham's ministry, they've come together, which I, I, I'm great, I'm glad to hear this, that they've come together to make this a reality. So you can go to kcm.org, kcm.org, to the Bless Israel Fund to donate to this cause. I can tell you that when you bless the Jews, you will be blessed. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about a magnitude oil crisis. So thank you for tonight. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can write me. You can email me at, all lowercase, dawn at pureheart.today. And I'd love to hear a response from you. So please email me dawn at pureheart.today and you can help support this ministry uh, by sending a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. You won't want to miss next week a magnitude oil crisis, and it's not what you think. I look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.